Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Fauché, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. You are listening to episode nine of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Hey there, I'm so excited you're joining me today. I know as soon as we hear the word reluctant learners, I'm sure a student pops into your head that you can think of who really took a lot of energy and effort to get them to learn. But you know, if you can do it, there is incredible success that comes from being able to unlock these learners and help them reach their full potential. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about three different ways that you can help your reluctant learners begin to learn English. Before we get to the show, I wanted to give a quick shout out to wife to PJM. She says, I appreciate the easy to implement tips that Beth gives in her podcast. Her strategies are great for all learners in the classroom and take away the overwhelm we can so easily feel as teachers. So if you're feeling that same overwhelm, check out some of these previous episodes And feel free to leave a review because you never know, you might be the next one that gets a shout out on the podcast. All right, now let's get to the show. So a couple weeks ago, I was on a coaching call and talking with a veteran teacher who's been teaching for 20 years. She reached out because she was really discouraged. She has two students that have recently arrived from Mexico and Honduras, and she just was really struggling with how to help them stay engaged and to build a desire to learn English. She was seeking out some ways and strategies to help these reluctant learners. And I thought, this is probably a common problem many teachers are facing and experiencing right now. So today's episode is going to be about three ways to help those reluctant learners. The first place we need to start and what we really need to take into consideration is to ask the question, why is the student reluctant to learn English? 
It's crucial to start here because you need to realize if you're working with SLIFE students or students who are coming from extremely difficult war-torn countries that are oppressed and just so much political upheaval, and then all of a sudden they're in your classroom in a new country and in a new language, there's a lot going on and they have the right to be reluctant to learn English. So they have so many things that they're processing and they're dealing with, they're adjusting to. And so it's very acceptable and it should be acceptable for them to just not have learning English as their top priority right now. And so we, as their teachers, we need to take into consideration what trauma our students have experienced and what might be inhibiting them from wanting to learn. We want to give them that space and that grace to deal with and work through a lot of what they've gone through before we really just put on them, oh, they're not interested, they don't want to learn and kind of put these thoughts and and judgments on them. So we want to start with understanding our students, understanding their story and giving them some space to really work through that. Another big thing is before we even get to the learning part, we need to unlock the desire. I know personally, after taking Spanish class for 10 years, that if there is not a desire to learn, they really aren't going to learn. In all honesty, I did not like Spanish class. It was my worst grade, and I was a good student. But it's really humorous now that I live in a country that I have to speak Spanish daily, because I just did not like learning Spanish. I didn't try. I didn't have the desire to learn it. And so I never really did. And it wasn't until that switched in me, that flipped in me when I started working with majority of Spanish-speaking students that I just thought, I want to learn this language. I want to be able to communicate with them. I want to be able to reach them. So I essentially relearned Spanish and had to teach myself how to communicate in Spanish. And once the desire was there, it came so much easier. So we need to see if our students help to build that desire in them to be multilingual learners. And it starts with showing them that you're not there to just teach them English. You're not there to, you don't want to put upon them that, oh, English is the better language to know. And it doesn't matter that you know another language. That's the opposite of what we want to do. And that's going to not put in them a desire to learn it. But we want to really instill in them the incredible gift of being a multilingual learner, that they have value because they have another language and they have value that they bring culture into our classroom and that it's a gift that they can learn more than one language and that they're bilingual or trilingual, not that it's just about learning English. So when you have that type of classroom and that type of atmosphere, you'll see that the desire in your students is a lot different than if they feel that they're forced to learn English and that learning English is the only thing that matters. So let's get into some really practical ways that you can help to motivate those reluctant learners. My first tip is to find topics that your students are interested in. Interest is key to learning. And so we want to find topics that they just get really excited about. When when a student is excited about something, they're going to be all in. They're not going to be hesitant about learning. So We want to make sure that, you know, we know our students, that we know if they love soccer, start to spend a little bit of time and see if you can find ways to incorporate a little bit more about soccer. Maybe, you know, it's even an incentive. If they finish these tasks, then they can watch a YouTube video about their favorite soccer star. Those types of things are going to motivate their students. If they get that time that they get to learn about things they're interested in, they will 
be more open to doing the things they're not interested in. The second thing is to motivate your reluctant students by setting high expectations. Now, this might sound counterintuitive, (laughs) and this is not the opposite of what I mentioned before of having awareness of where they're at or what their trauma might be facing. What we don't want to do is do something called pobrecito syndrome, where we lower the expectations or we water down the curriculum because we think, oh, this, you know, pobrecito means like poor little boy. So we take it into this mindset of like, oh, well, we're just going to make everything easy for them because they've gone through a lot. And this is a lot to learn a new language. It is a lot. But studies actually show, research shows that when we lower the expectations for our ELLs, it does not help them at all. It does the opposite. A lot of times our students can see that we have really low expectations We and we don't think that they can produce. They can't do what we're asking them. And so if they see that, they feel that internally, they're not going to show up. They're not going to be interested. If they think, you know what, my teacher really doesn't think I can do much, even though they might be able to and they can do it um, with the right support and scaffold, then it's just going to give them this feeling that why should they show up? My teacher doesn't believe in me. So why am I going to believe in myself? So that's really the opposite of what we want. We want to set high expectations. We want them to know that we believe in them, that we believe that they can achieve big things and that we're there to help support them. Now, I mentioned this in a show a few weeks ago, but if you are not sure what are appropriate expectations, especially when we get into those intermediate ELLs, those language level three and fours, it can get really tricky to know what is an appropriate expectation for this student. Go check out the show notes and download my free WIDA Can Do Descriptors that are simplified. So they're really easy to use. You flip through them, you find, you know, if you're working with a fourth grader, and he's level four, and you're working on listening skills, it's going to tell you exactly what is a clear and appropriate expectation for that student in that language domain. So go check those out in the show notes, because that's a big problem. If we aren't sure what is an appropriate expectation, we either set too high of expectations without giving them the proper support, so it leaves them frustrated, or we lower the expectations, and then it leaves them frustrated because they feel like we don't believe in them, and we don't want that at all. Now, the last way to motivate a reluctant learner is to incorporate an incentive for talking. Now, I have found when working with ELLs, a lot of times they will have a lot of vocabulary, a lot of knowledge that they just haven't produced. And so there is a time that we aren't going to push them to talk. We have that silent period when they're new newcomers. But after that, you really want to set that standard in your classroom that they're going to be talking and it's going to be great and it's going to be okay. And they're not going to get laughed at. They're not going to be made fun of because we want them to produce. We want them to speak. That's where the language is really going to solidify and really become stronger is if they're applying what they're learning. And so I remember when I worked with four kids who were newcomers in sixth grade. And one of the students, when I started to use this program where they, when they would come in, they would take a necklace and they, every time they would talk, they would get a paper clip or I mean a clothespin and they'd put on their necklace. And the person who had the most clothespins at the end, they would get a prize. Very simple, but guess what? The student who rarely ever spoke before, he had been in the school for about 
a year or so. He rarely spoke before. And once I started to do this program, this incentive of of speaking, what we found out was he had so much vocabulary in English. He was very strong in English. And we didn't realize that because he was very good at being quiet and not speaking. But once we started to use a game to get him to speak, he was speaking the whole hour I was working with them. And so we actually had to find a way for him to speak less because the other three really needed that speaking support and he was taking over every conversation. And so we want to find those little ways. Maybe it's playing you versus them where, you know, when, when the students respond in English, then they get a point where they don't, then you get a point. And so just a way to build that environment of speaking in a fun way is really helpful to help push the students in that time period where they've built up a lot of vocabulary, a lot of language, but they're not feeling confident to speak it yet. So again, all of that happens when you've gone back and you've built that safe and welcoming classroom. Then these things of, of incorporating games to help them to speak will come easily and naturally because they're, they're going to know that they're in a place that they are safe to speak. So just a recap. For those reluctant learners, we want to find things that they're interested in and try to incorporate that into our language learning time. We also want to set high expectations so that they feel that you believe in them and that you will help them reach those high expectations and that they feel proud of themselves. And then the last way is to incorporate an incentive for talking using some sort of game or a way for them to get excited about talking in the classroom. Now, if you want to talk more about these types of things of how to help reluctant learners, how to incentivize your talking time, what type of topics you're doing that are interesting to them, these are the types of conversations that we're having inside the Inspiring Young Learners Engage Facebook group. And we would love for you to join us. So if you're looking for other like-minded teachers that are passionate about supporting their English language learners, come join us. We would love to have you inside there. You can find a link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.